it didn't listen to me. It walked out of the thicket, it turned around and looked at me. They looked up and in this tree, there was a monkey man. And the monkey man jumped down out of the tree and started running away. And suddenly they're right in front of the car. He slams on the brakes and manages to stop and he's skidding because it's not quite, you know, um, gravelling. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell them panicking, they're like ripping up thing. Their, their, their face is like twitching. to Bigfoot Society, a podcast where we focus on cryptids, the strange, and the unexplained of this world. If you've got a story or something weird to share, send an email over to me at bigfootsociety at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. And now, on with the show. Hey, <clears throat> all right. Welcome back to another episode of Strange Stories with Jeremiah Byron. Uh, <clears throat> we've got a ton of people already in the chat ready to go. Uh, let me know if uh, you guys can hear me. Let's see who we've got in here already. We've got Long Island Bigfoot. Good evening, brother. Good to see you. Uh, Area 51 already here. You've got Patrick McFarland. Good to see you, Pat. Hello. And we've got Tea Time with Tiffany. Good to see you, Tiff. I talked to you on TikTok, and you had a very interesting uh, story to share. That was awesome. <clears throat> Long on Bigfoot says, please smash that like button. I'm going to get my water ready because I can already tell I'm going to need it. And then we will uh, chat for a bit. Uh, let's see what else we got. Area 51 says, got my drink food in fireplace going. Let's get spooky. Hey, good to hear. Nice. I wish I had a fireplace like that. Um, Area 51 says, by the way, if anyone wants a great Bigfoot film to watch, Will Creek. Yeah, and after you're done watching it, you can uh, check out my interview with Bryce Johnson about a lot of great uh, behind-the-scenes info about Will Creek. Uh, it was a great interview. Alan, good to see you, bud. And Long Island Bigfoot says good audio. All right, thank you for that. So we got well. Let's uh, let's chat. So this is the weekly live show on YouTube. This is Strange Stories with Jeremiah Byron. It's a an hour long live where I uh, chat with you guys in the comments. But the thing that we cross our fingers for is maybe we'll get a few calls uh, where people will. Share their Bigfoot stories, cryptid stories, stuff they can't explain, paranormal stuff, ghosts, weird stuff. It's live on YouTube, and it's also recorded for the podcast. Uh, eventually, I do release episodes of those. So if you've got – oh, I forgot to put up my banner. Let me put up the banner. Here you go. So – if you have a, uh, we'll go ahead and open up the lines right now. Uh, if you've got a call, let me make sure it's off. Uh, okay, it's off. Do not disturb. Um, <clears throat> if you've got a call or if you've got a story, go ahead, call on in 515 809 0165. 
Um, Memphis Song is here. Memphis is always commenting on the uh, the YouTube uh, shorts. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Memphis Song. Uh, another thing is you want to make sure, if guys, if you're on TikTok, you want to make sure that you're following me on TikTok. I'm really getting involved over there. We are going to go to the moon on TikTok. But I'm also, I have this uh, other platform called repurpose.io. So my TikToks that are are good content they're all good but the ones that would do good across other platforms i'm putting them on um <clears throat> instagram twitter and youtube shorts oh my goodness it's party time call from patrick mcfarland hey patrick Hey, Jeremiah, how are you? Hey, good. This is live for uh, YouTube and recorded for the Bigfoot Society podcast. How's it going, dude? Uh, you know, just another day in paradise. Oh, dude. And of course, you know, you always keep it clean, but. Uh... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, another another day Absolutely. in Iowa paradise for sure. Absolutely. So I told uh, I told you last week that I had a story that oh, I think yeah. was related to the owl. That's right. That we, yes. Yeah. So, uh, where to begin? So it was, I'm a seasonal worker. So this time of the year is really rough on me. So I don't sleep well at night. Sure. So I was up, it was probably about one thirty two o'clock, uh, morning of the 26th of this month or, um, December. And I was watching TV and I heard two bangs, like, you know, just, at first, I thought they were gunshots. Okay. And I was like, well, that's really weird. And I thought it was on the, uh, the program I was watching, but I rewound it and, you know, didn't coincide. So I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. So I got up and I looked out my, my front door and I saw two kind of greenish eyes about, I'd say, 100, 150 feet from my, from my front door. Okay. Just on the edge of the of the uh, security light, and uh, I was like, "What's what the, you know? What is that? You know, is that a deer? Because it was about I'd say about four foot up. Okay. Off the ground or so. And uh, so you know, I get my boots on, I get my coat on, and I turn the the light on my porch, and I step outside, and there's absolutely nothing there. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. So I thought, well, it can't be anything. It's, you know, I don't know. It was a deer. It could have been, you know, whatever. So went to bed, got up the next day, and I had to run into town. And I drive right by that spot, and there's no tracks there. Nothing, no deer tracks, no nothing. So I thought, well, <laughs> what the heck was that? Now these eyes, they weren't very big. Okay. They were, uh, and they kept blinking. They oh, kept, weird. you know, you could tell it was, it was either moving its head or it was, it was blinking. So then fast forward, uh, a week later, about the same time I had actually gone to bed and I'm laying there trying to get sleep and I hear another bang and I'm like, what the hell? you know, what the heck is this? Mm -hmm. You know? 
And so I uh, got up and went outside and I heard it again. And it was down by my shed and I saw a, about four foot up off the ground. I saw like a darker shadow just okay. kind of move. And I'm like, Nope, that's it. <laughs> I'm Man. going in. So yeah, Ooh. I don't know, but I just, it, it was kind of funny that it, it coincided with, you know, the kind of the owl story that we heard. Right. For, so. for listeners that, you know, may not have been here for that one. Um, Burton was sharing a story about a giant, a giant owl in South Dakota. Right. And then it's like, yeah, whenever someone hears the story, then you're going to see the giant owl. And it was just like super creepy. And, uh, there you go. Patrick might have seen something. I'm so, Oh man, that's weird, dude. In both times I had green eyes. Did you say? Yeah, I had kind of greenish eyes. Oh, yeah, and they weren't like really large. I, you know, God, it's it's so hard to tell from that distance and yeah. the night and stuff like this. But I mean, you could tell they were, and like I said, they were either it was either blinking or it was turning its head because they they kept you know flashing on and off. You know what I'm saying? It just, right. It was really, really Dude. creepy. So. So this is uh yeah I'm waiting to see if anything occurs tonight. Yeah man, <laughs> keep an eye out for uh large pellets I guess in your backyard. That's it. So anyway, oh, I man. just wanted to share the story with you and uh well, here's uh, hoping we don't have a large owl swooping around <laughs> our part of Iowa. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for owl or mothman or uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's for you, dude. Stay away. Just yeah, stay away. yeah. Stay away from us, Owl. Head on that's over right. to Long Island, New York. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Thanks for All letting right, me know. You have a great night. Yeah, you too. Bye. Oh my goodness. Oh, I. I really hope we don't have a giant owl swooping around Central Iowa. That's crazy. Um, thanks to Patrick for calling in and giving a follow-up to, oh, man, that story with Burton, that's a weird story. I, I don't think I – you can hear it on a replay. It's not on the podcast yet, I think. But, um, wow, right out of the gate, had a weird story. Patrick's got something going on. Um, I, 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 oh, Burton is actually here. Burton, did you? I hope you caught it. Uh, Patrick may have seen a giant owl because of your story. So thanks for that. Um, let's see. I think we got some new people in here. Forensic Mystics, good to see you. We got Mr. Davis Adams, good to see you, friend. And I'm going to shout out Mr. Local Legends, Burton Moran. Make sure you check out his channel if you want to see the VIP tour at Van Meter Visitor Festival. Uh, man, we got a ton of people hanging out. We got hike with Mike. How's it going, brother? All sorts of good people. So again, for the new people and go ahead, put in the chat where you're listening from today. I've got a great bottle of Niagara purified water. What are you drinking tonight? Burton says the giant owl is real. Well, he may very well be 
real because um, you you sent it from South Dakota over to uh, to Iowa. So thanks, man. <laughs> Patrick better put up uh, some some game cameras, some trail cameras in his backyard, maybe some extra security floodlights. We'll see. All right, we got Alan checking in from South Carolina. Guys, if you've got a, a story you want to share, go ahead, call on in. Uh, 515-809. Uh, hold on, I gotta wait for the gotta wait for gotta wait for it. 515-809-0165. I think I'd have that rec uh, memorized by now, but I don't. All right, we got Long Island Bigfoot, New York and Red Bull. Can't do those anymore. Uh Washington State. In Icelandic vodka. I can't do those anymore either, my brother. <laughs> I guess Chris Spencer. How's it going, Chris? Calling in or uh, texting in from Washington in the comments. Uh, hike with Mike. Oh, cool. So there you go. You got a connection with Long Island Bigfoot. Good stuff. Um, let me go. Okay. So we got 14 people hanging out here. Uh, again, you are welcome to to go ahead and to call in. All right, hold. On. Sorry, guys. I got to uh, I got to mute this this Facebook Messenger chat. I'm in. Oh, so so bush league of me. Sorry, guys. All right, okay. Hey, we got Brown Dwarf in the chat. Good to see him. And oh my goodness, we got Sherwin here too. You know what, Sherwin? I met him at Crypticon. Sherwin's a cool guy. We had uh, we had pizza together. And we had a group going on in the group. That was one of the best episodes of Bigfoot Society that was never recorded because everyone was sharing their story. And sometimes you just gotta do that. It's not for content. It's just for fun. Hey, Strange Road, Strange Road. I'm gonna. Uh, I've been terrible. I'm gonna contact you later tonight because we got to get something set up for the pre-chat. So good to see you in the chat there. Um. All right. So while we're waiting. For the next person to call in with a crazy story, I've got a story to share with you guys. Uh, we'll see how this works out. So I'm going to go ahead and read you guys a story. So I've stumbled upon this uh, old website, and some people in the chat might be like, old website, what? bigfootencounters.com from Bobby Short. It's got crazy tales and stories and reports that you're not going to find anywhere else. So this is from bigfootencounters.com. Um. All right, here we go. So this is called The Monster of Dead Man's Hole. Dead Man's Hole is located near Oak Grove, a former stage stop of the Butterfield Line. It's located about 10 miles northeast of Warner Hot Springs. The story of the horrid events leading up to the discovery of the monster was told many years ago. Now, when the Butterfield Stage Line was established, it ran by the then nameless Dead Man's Hole, then filled with clear, sparkling water. Often a stop, stop was made to refresh men and horses before resuming the trip. Behind the hole, a canyon slices back into the steep hills, growing darker and darker and narrower as it winds back into the still, wild and roadless escarpment, frowning over a pleasant valley below. As it gets deep into the mountains, the canyon walls are so steep and its trees so thick and somber that sunlight only penetrates to the bottom for an hour or so at noon. One bright morning in the spring of 1858, the northbound stage stopped at the hole and the driver got out for a drink. As he leaned over the hole, trigger warning, he saw to his horror the partly decomposed face of a dead man bobbing gently in the water. This was the first known victim of dead man's hole. 
As time went by, news was received in San Diego that several men, both Native American and white, had disappeared without a trace. But since people were always running away from their families or going off to seek gold, not much notice was paid to these reports. In 1870, an unknown French sheep herder was found dead at the hole by his partner. In 1876, a passenger lighting from the stage for a drink said he had seen a naked thing covered with long black hair staring at him from nearby bushes. Ooh, now it's getting interesting. When the creature saw he was discovered, he vanished down the canyon. I'm getting Nahani Valley's vibes from this, but this is not the Nahani Valley. A few years later, a man named William Blair was found strangled in the dark woods near the hole. He had influential and wealthy friends in San Francisco, and they came down to the area determined to find his murderer. But no clues were found. Later that year, the strangled body of a Native American girl was found not 200 feet away from where Blair's body had been discovered. In March 1888, two hunters, Edward Dean and Charles Cock of Julian, determined to explore the dark and mysterious canyon behind Dead Man's Hole. After a hard struggle, they managed to get up the, a mile up the canyon through tangle of fallen logs, boulders, and underbrush. As they paused for breath, they heard a crashing nearby. Cox climbed up the rocky side of the canyon to see what was making the noise. He almost fell off in astonishment. An immense, unwieldy animal resembling a bear from the back was taking rapid strides through the narrow defile away from the hunters. Cox said its legs were long and the creature looked something like a gorilla. Its hair was dark brown and the beast was more than six feet high. Cox climbed down and whispered the news to Dean. Both began to follow the thing. Cox, to arrest its progress, fired a shot in the air. At the report, the beast turned its face towards its pursuers. The face was human. Then the creature started climbing the canyon wall toward a cave opening. Cox fired, and with a terrible cry, the monster fell to the canyon floor, dead. Cautiously approaching the body, the men later reported that, indeed, the face looked to be human. But the teeth were like a bear's fangs with pointed ends. The creature's feet were huge and covered with black hair. Fearing they would meet the monster's mate, they climbed gingerly up to the cave mouth, then entered. It was empty, but when in one corner, eight human skulls grinned from a rock ledge, while a half-consumed sheep carcass lay on the floor. In a corner, a pile of leaves and weeds indicated... The creature's bed. In a follow-up report given in a San Diego newspaper of the 1888 era, Jasper said the monster's body had been placed in a wagon and taken to San Diego, where it was to have gone on exhibition the next day. But the newspapers did not see anything. And no one knows what happened to the monster. Interesting story from the late 1800s from BigfootEncounters.com. Um, looks like we've got Burton and Pat are going to talk about giant owls. That's what I'm talking about. See if you can figure it out, guys. Again, this is Strange Stories with Jeremiah Byron. If you've got a strange story to share, go ahead. Give me a call. If you called in before and you got a new story, you can call on again. No problem there. Uh, but no repeat stories. And let's see, we got Area 51 says, whoa, great story. Well, thank you, pal. And Strange Road says, giant owls. Yeah, giant owls. 
they can stay away from my town. I do not want any giant owls in here. All right, we're about almost 20 minutes in, and we are we are hanging out. We are hanging out tonight. Let's see. Hey, Bobby Short lays, lives on. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't – it's a thing where, you know, she passed away, I want to say, in 2003, and I've been looking into her more and more. And she has such a fascinating story. So I think I'm going to start going into like maybe a deep dive. See if I can maybe find some old uh, interviews with her. Ruh-roh, it's party time. Call from. To accept, press one. Hello, caller. Area 51. <laughs> hey, Area 51. This is uh, this is the strange stories of Jeremiah Byron. And if I could have you turn down your speaker, because we are getting feedback, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. have you on uh, on my big screen TV. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I have, I have you on my phone now, but I just, I just pause it. All right, thank you. Um, and, yes, of sir. course, this is recorded for the podcast. And... Uh, Keep it clean, my buddy. So, of what course. we got going on? How's it going, man? I just wanted to say hi, dude. And, I am. Uh, I'm doing I got, good. I got, good. Good to hear. Uh, I got. I got something. I got something. All right. Uh, I can tell you a prank we did on my mom that involves aliens, or I can do an actual scary story. Uh, do have a scary story. <laughs> you want? You want? You want a scary story? All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we um. It's funny. This is a Bigfoot story. This is the the oh. second Bigfoot story. I think I remember telling yeah. you the first one. You did, yeah. And that was from one of my friends. That was, you know, one of my best friends from eighth grade. Okay. But we had an encounter. With, we don't know if it was a bear or if it was a Bigfoot. Okay, I'm just gonna just gotcha. put it out there and then just gonna tell you what was going on. So uh, we had a huge storms, like snowstorms here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I mean, I live in Washington, and uh, we're very close to Snoqualmie and North Bend, where a lot of the sightings of Bigfoot happen. Sure. And uh, we had huge storms coming in, and we got piled with probably like three or four feet of snow one year. And, um, you know, us kids, we were missing school. Uh, and and we went out and explored and we were in this area which we called the fish hatchery which they i think i'm pretty sure they made like artificial like <laughs> like salmon there oh weird and okay. and, 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 and uh, we we would always go out there because we said that oh this is like area 51 and like it's like our area 51 because you wouldn't really see anyone go in there, but we knew what was going on. So we snuck in one one night, uh, like a lot of us. I think it was about six of us. Okay. I remember uh, we snuck in through this uh, gate. We went down to the fish hatchery, snuck into this gate, and uh, we kept hearing stories about this man that was really hairy and big. Oh, boy. There and and so we were like, okay, well, this was you guys are down to go. I mean, it's night. It's I don't know if you've ever been outside when the snow when it snows, but it looks bright. Yes, it doesn't. Yep. It does. It doesn't. You can see. You can see perfectly clear. Exactly. And um, 
so we we go down there and it's by this creek and uh it's it's like six of us i think uh the youngest one was probably nine years old uh i'm 13 at this point okay so uh a lot of us were 13 14 and but the youngest one was nine and we go in there and 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 we start smelling this weird stench right and and we go like what is going on like why does it smell so bad and we come across this like tent and there's like a lot of like garbage and food everywhere and no one in sight right okay so so the nine-year-old his name is chewy jesus uh goes inside the tent right and and uh he's like trying to see if anyone's in there and he's trying to be like brave in front of like us older people and i go what what is going on why are you going in there man and then you hear um this thing behind this tree just like you can just see it and the stench got way worse and and you could see it breathing and it yelled and the five of the other friends ran away and I stood there watching this thing, like breathing, hairy, smelled really bad, about seven foot tall thing. And I'm like, Chewie's the, the nearest person there, right? So I'm like trying to whisper under my breath, like Chewie, like get out immediately. And he couldn't hear me because like, obviously I'm not screaming. And um, the thing yelled at me. And I did the only thing reasonable thing was to yell back at it. But the, the, the sound that it made just didn't sound human, you know? And I know it wasn't a bear because I've seen bears and I've seen people <laughs> like encounter bears and what they describe. But this thing, you could see its muscle like in its body and it wasn't wearing any clothes. It was just naked. And I go, uh, it yelled at me and I yelled that back at it. And, uh, I remember telling, uh, Chewy to run. And, uh, by that time, like the other five friends that we had along had already left. And when I got home, um, I remember, uh, Chewy's mom coming to the house. Right. And she's like, what happened to my son? Why is he so scared? And and I go, I don't, I don't like, I don't know what we saw, but I said, I stayed with him. And then next thing you know, when my, one of my best friends, Justin comes with his dad and he has like a firearm already on him. But the rest of the rest of the people were kind of so spooked. They just went home and didn't even care to check up on, on us. And, and I said, I don't know, but I was like, if I had not stayed there, I think, I don't know if she wow. would have made it out. Yeah, so, um, that's wild, dude. Yeah, it's a true story. Uh, some, of, some of us have broken our friendship because of that day. Because I go, uh, we went to school the next day. Okay. Um, it kind of cleared up, and so we went to school. And um, yeah, uh, some of them were kind of like, hey, man, are you going to tell that I ran? And I'm like, dude, you guys didn't even come and check on us. Like, we only oh, had like wow. Chewie's mom yeah. and Justin's dad come and check on us and, and you guys just ran like how are we going to move forward with this like you guys ran off and didn't check on us yeah dude and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just the uh, the story that i had that the, the, the sound was it was crazy man like i said like it didn't sound human and uh i yelled back at it and it kind of just stared at me behind a tree and uh 
that's when Chewie kind of came out because he heard it screaming and heard me scream. And he probably thought that, you know, we were engaging in some kind of conflict. And um, he came out and finally he saw, he saw it and I saw it and and it kind of just like was wandering. I think it was just kind of like staying there, just leave me alone kind of thing, you know, not don't bother me, just go. And then we, we left. Have you have you gone back to that area ever? Mm-hmm. I've gone back. Yeah, yeah, I went back um, one time. I think with um, so Justin moved when I was sixteen. I'm thirty two, by the way. Okay. And uh, Justin moved, uh, who was one of the guys that him and his dad, who arrived with like the guns um, at the time, uh, was twelve, and then uh, he moved when he was seven. Uh, was sixteen. I believe. And then uh, he came back and I was like, you want to go back and check like what, what it looks like? Wow. And uh, he said, yes. And so it's like one of the last visits he was here. I hadn't seen him in eight years. And uh, he came back <laughs> when the Seahawks won the, the Super Bowl. Sure. <laughs> so uh, he, he, he came back, visited and um, yeah, uh, we went back to the area and it was actually clean and there's no more okay. any of the the stuff wasn't, and the tent wasn't there. There wasn't any trash, but it it kind of like scared us a little bit because they're like, "Dude, yeah. you can still smell it." I said, even though oh, it was weird. not, yeah, really, you can still get a sense. Was, I said of it, and, yeah. Oh man, dude, that's weird. <laughs> and so uh, I remember just staring at him. I was like, "It feels like like it happened today." I said, and he goes, "Yeah, man." Like he goes, the first thing I did was go to my dad and tell him what what was going on. And uh, yeah, the rest of the people like we don't talk to them anymore. But sure. Chewie and 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 Justin are, and me are still very close. Uh, yeah, especially after something like that, you go through something like that with a person. You know, that's yeah, kind of yeah. like stand by me stuff. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's exactly how I put it. <laughs> that that movie <laughs> is that uh is that area near a military installation at all? Yes, it is. is it really? uh, uh, McCord Air Force Base, I think, in uh, oh. Fort Lewis. Hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting how often the weird stuff can sometimes uh, happen near military bases, but you know that could just be coincidence. But uh, I always like to check that. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. It is. Um, his family was obviously military, and uh, okay. Um, yeah, we lived like probably five miles away from there, and um, the, the the area where we were at, we it, it was definitely kind of protected, and, and it was just strange. I go, ah oh, man, <laughs> so like if I so would go weird. there today, I try to show my girlfriend. I was like, you want to go there? Because I told her the story, and she's like, no. And I go, I know it's it's it's, it's terrifying. Oh, it was terrifying, but at the same time, you you got to protect your friends, and I stayed and saw it and I go, man, I've never seen anything like that. And it brings me back to, to the story that I told about my, my friend's dad seeing, you know, what he thinks was a Bigfoot too. Exactly. Exactly. So, man, that's a, yeah, that's a man. good story, dude. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Let me know. I hope you guys like that. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. it really happened. I've, I haven't told a lot of people about it because it's kind of lengthy and there's more to add to that. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, thank you for letting me share the story with 
uh, you guys on here. Yeah, definitely. If you ever hear any other stories from happening in that area, let us know because that definitely sounds like a weird area. So, but thanks for calling in, man. Yeah, man. Nick, take care. You enjoy your night. I will keep you listening. Too. All right. Yes. See ya. Yes. <laughs> See ya. Ooh, that was that was a good one. Weird, a weird area, a weird Area 51 area from Area 51, of course. Thank you for calling in. Um, again, if you're new, we got 15 people watching. This is Strange Stories, Jeremiah Byron. I do a live call-in show once a week. If you've got a story uh, about Bigfoot, cryptids, weird stuff, aliens, UFOs, stuff you can't explain, uh, you can call in, and there's no judging here. This is live on YouTube. It's recorded for the podcast as well for broadcast at a later date. Um, tonight, we've had Patrick calling in about a potential giant owl in his backyard. Uh, we had Area 51 call in to share a potential Bigfoot encounter from his childhood that was pretty weird. So you definitely want to go back and check those stories in the replay. But yeah, if you've got a story as well to share, go ahead, call the numbers 515-809-0165. Um, I do have another story I can go ahead and, and read for you. So, well, let's see. We are about halfway through, but I'm going to read you another story here. Of course, this is from BigfootEncounters.com. Thank you to Bobby Short. Rest in peace. <clears throat> this is from Klamath, Klamath, California, September 25th to 29th, 1992. Daryl Owen's eight-year-old son and his 12-year-old friend were out looking for snakes on September 12th when at about 11.30 a.m. they heard branches. They heard branches rustling and smelled a strong odor. The smell was like rotten chicken. It was awful. When we looked up, we saw the big hairy man standing there about 100 feet away. He was covered with thick, <coughs> excuse me, thick dark brown hair. He was shaking a branch in his hand. We could sh- see his face real good. My friends and I looked at him for about five seconds before we turned and ran all the way back home. As the boy turned, as the boys turned to head for home, they saw the creature turn and walk into the brush. After questioning the boys, Daryl Owen went out to check the area. As I headed out there, the phrase the boys used to describe what they had seen kept echoing over and over in my head. The big hairy man, not Bigfoot, not Sasquatch, not even Harry from the movie. Nope, they kept calling it the big hairy man. Looking back on it now, I guess that should have been my first clue. There was something very unusual about their story. Sure, it was wild, but somehow it just didn't have a false ring to it. And as for the kids themselves, well, there was no faking what they were feeling. They were scared to death. When I got to the spot where the boys said they had seen the big hairy man standing, my life was changed forever. As I went out to the creek bed, I figured I'd find bear tracks or nothing at all, in which case I would know the boys were lying about what they claimed to see. Instead, I looked down and saw these huge footprints in the ground. I just froze. I came back on Tuesday to make a casting because I first saw these tracks. I sort of freaked out. I could hear, hear something crunching through the thick brush. 
going up the steep hillside. When I heard that and looked down at the tracks leading in that direction, all I wanted to do then was get out of there. 16 and a half inches long, eight and a half inches wide. Scott Harriet from Los Angeles arrived and the men spent three days examining the scene. A few strands of brown hair were found and then there were the screams. The screams began the night after the boy's sighting. These screeches have echoed across the canyon behind our home almost every night since. And there's more than one of them because you can hear a call and then an answer from another hilltop. The screams usually occur between, excuse me, 9 to 10 p.m. John Green, yes, that John Green, the reporter. Speaking to reporter Selkie from his home in Canada said, keep in mind Bluff Creek is only 25 miles due east of Klamath, but it is another world in environmental habitat terms. I don't know, but perhaps the drought has motivated them <clears throat> to travel westward toward the cooler coastline like other wildlife has done recently. Daryl Owen reported sighting the creature, which looked directly at him from behind some bushes. It had deep-set eyes and large, close-together nostrils, and its face was dark, burnt orange in color. The hair was long enough to flow as it turned its head. Scott Harriet <clears throat> returned to Klamath last week and hiked the area with Daryl, both with arms with camcorders, both were armed with camcorders. Scott likens the heavy underbrush to jungles in Vietnam and says the visibility, even at midday, is poor. Nevertheless, the men found... No. Nevertheless, the men found them look, looking at something with red glowing eyes. The eyes glowed red twice, like the voltage was turned up and then down. The screams have continued nightly, and uh, Steve Selke became involved in Sasquatch research, after which a friend of his said he was near Davis Lake in Oregon when he heard the screams for 20 minutes. Another really cool sighting report from BigfootEncounters.com. Uh, thanks to... <laughs> thanks to... Uh, it's such an interesting story. Bobby Short's grandson has been keeping this uh, website alive for 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's now 10 years after her passing. So thank you to that. Thank you for that, sir, so that these uh, tales can still continue. Oh, Pat, funny stuff. All right. <clears throat> so we are about halfway, a little over halfway through, guys. If you've got, we got about 14 people hanging out. If you've got a weird or strange story to share, you can go ahead and... Uh, Call up 515-809-0165. You can share your story on live on YouTube and uh, recorded for the podcast. Let's see here. Let's spin the wheel and see if I can find something else. Uh, we're about eight minutes after eight o'clock central. That means we have about 22 minutes left. Uh, still enough time for another story. And uh, I'll see if I can get another one brought up here to share with you guys here. Ooh, this one looks kind of good. Okay. All right. I like this one. 
let's uh let, we'll try this one here let me get it brought up i'm gonna have to i need a bigger monitor that's what i need all right i just don't have enough monitor space guys oh okay uh, let me address this first burton okay burton has a question uh do you have any paranormal experiences i am happy to say that i don't so and i would you know hopefully keep it that way uh but i'll I'll answer in a different way for you burton and i've talked about both of these on the podcast um the only weird stuff i've had happen is the uh when i went looking for bigfoot with tate in iowa last uh, august i believe and uh we did we heard some wood knocks we heard a tree pushed over about 30 feet in front of us from our campsite. And I did get some really weird stuff on my audio recorder that last night we were there about three forty-five in the morning. Uh, I actually got audio of the tent I was staying in being unzipped, uh, which is very weird. And um, I talk about that a few times in the podcast, but uh I did not leave the tent that time. I did, actually didn't leave it at all. Uh, so not really sure what that was about. I have talked to other people that have said that they've had Bigfoot mess with the zippers on their tents, uh, which is interesting. Also, uh, the other weird thing we had happen was uh, when I was in my early 20s uh, back in Western Massachusetts, I did see what I think is a UFO go over my house one night. If you want to hear that story in uh, great detail, uh, watch or listen to the, listen to the Ryan Sprague uh, interview I did. I, I share that story with Ryan during that interview. And it's, it's, uh, it's good. De- it's well detailed because I was just, you know, had Ryan Sprague in, so you know you're going to talk about UFOs, right? Uh, yeah. So the tent being unzipped is creep- creepy. I totally agree. Uh, if you want to hear, if you want to hear that audio, head over to YouTube and um, search for Tate Hieronymus or search for a search for Sabe. And I'm actually in his documentary series where there's an Iowa episode. You can see all about that. Uh, that weekend we were out looking for Bigfoot and uh, you can actually hear the tent zip audio. So definitely check that out. If you got the goods. All right. <clears throat> time is 8.11. Got some time for if anyone wants to call in with a story, the phone lines are still open and I've got another story for you, pals. So let me go ahead and I will read this one for you. Grays Harbor County, Washington, July 1978. I was 16 at the time and visiting my relatives that live on Bowes Road in Washington State for the summer. I've always been a light sleeper and that night was no different. I was awakened by the dog, a large German shepherd, barking wildly outside. I cannot say why she did not. Front row. Story got interrupted. Let's go. Call from 
to accept. Hello, caller. Hello, this is Sharon Campbell. Hello, Jared. Oh, hey, Sharon. So uh, you are live on YouTube, and this is recorded for the podcast. And please keep it clean for the listeners. How's it going, man? Oh, it's it's going well. Good. Another easy the Midwest. So. Oh yeah. But I share a story that I know of. All right. What we got, dude? Well, warning: it's not exact, and it's not my story. It's actually my little brother's. He's the one who's usually attending events with me all the time. Sure. This so, story is very interesting to me. I mean, because, well, it was paranormal. Um, I don't know. It's been sort of staring in my head lately as I, I see I'm from Ohio. That's okay. what I'm calling from. And I didn't know that Ohio has apparently been a meme as of late. So, <laughs> go figure. All right. <laughs> so, what really made me think of the story recently was. I did some research on the Ohio memes, and apparently for those who are jumping on this trend and looking into, like, weird places in Ohio, well, you see, Columbus has a lot of ghost stories. Okay. I know that, and did research there myself, and I, I especially when I lived there, but, um, well, when my brother started living there on his own, I told him about a place I'd never gotten around to investigating. Uh, was it the Gateway to Hell, I believe it's called. Oh, and it is victorious because it is a, well, it's a creepy place, sort of a um, a drainage pipe that is big enough for people to go through and people have. Wow. It's enough, located somewhere behind, uh, what is it, uh, um, a, a grocery store and behind the important. It was a gateway to hell, so... Okay, now did anyway, you try to go into this gateway yourself? I, 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 I've been, uh, I, I went there last year, but it was winter, so the place was frozen over, so I could only go as that's funny. I yeah. go so far without like you know falling into hopefully completely frozen ice, but either way, I'm just like I'll come back in the summertime. There you go. But nonetheless, <laughs> my brother's story is that. Oh no, wait, uh, you have a question. No, go, so it, your brother's story. So it sounds like your brother has had some dealings with this gateway. Oh, yes. Um, this story starts with him going down, actually deciding to go with a friend down there. So that, uh, his first time apparently going to the, um, to the uh, gateway to hell. So um, he said that, let's see, when he went there, he decided to, um, of course, bring his phone. He plays a lot of Pokemon Go, so... Right. I forget if, he said, if there's an actual like, if he got any good catches, but he did say that he might have seen a shadow run around the area, Ooh. which is apparently a fairly common thing people say when they see it there. Just like I mean, when when they get there, like the place is covered in graffiti and like sometimes the occasional homeless person, but like there's said to be like a shadow there, and like. Brother said it may it may have seen it, but it was dark. So interesting. Now, what I find and what I find funny, or well, more interesting actually, is what they did after that. Mm. Which, being that it's my little brother, they decided to play more Pokemon Go. But this <laughs> time they were along the uh, uh, the uh, Sayuta River. Um, you see, in Columbus, there's this old river and everything, and like. Um, there's a now 
a nicely developed walkway for lovers to walk down, and it's pretty nice. Sure. Right across from the Science Museum. Well, either way, my brother thought it'd be a good place for Pokemon going, and turns out it was, which is kind of what led him to do it at night, because uh, he's a little friend. He feels safe enough. Anyways, as they're poking their heads around this area, well, I forget exactly how the whole story goes, but I do know this much. My brother ended up of um, watching his phone slowly but steadily to sleep because he's playing Pokemon Go and he has his lights on so that we can see his way. Right. But he comes across the um, one of the bridges. I forget which one it was, but he said that's when he noticed something. Some sort of like put together shrine oh. kind of thing. Like, hey, but it wasn't, but, but it was clearly put all the rocks and stuff. It was all clearly put there on purpose. It was stacked in some sort of ritualistic way. Yeah, that stuff freaks me out, dude. It was rather creepy, at least from what he tells me all. But um, with how weird it was, he decided to take a picture of it. Oh, really? It was a good picture, flash, saw it on his phone, and then it died. Ooh, weird. Okay, yeah. He was in Pokemon Go, but he saw the picture. And he swore he saw something in it. Oh, boy. Anyways, that's what he swears. But I think the freakiest thing is the next day after he charged his phone and looked at it, all the files of all the pictures he had taken that night were corrupted. <laughs> and he had seen, he had seen it the, the other night. Dude, that is that is wild. That's, a, that's some crazy stuff, Sherwin. And... I love it because it's the intersection of technology and uh, the paranormal, which is not the first time that we've actually heard Pokemon Go be referenced with weird stuff. I mean, there's a story of Pokemon Go players uh, that supposedly saw the Loveland Frogman, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's just wild, but dude, thank you for calling in with those uh those stories. That I like it. That's good stuff, man. Oh yeah. If I if I can if I can remember more, I'll bring those up myself. So I love it. I love it. Thank you for calling in, dude. Oh yeah, anytime. It's been fun. Take care, everybody. Talk to you later. Whew. Yeah, that that's weird stuff, you know. In um. Used to, I used to have, so there's some wood, growing up in Western Mass, there's some, lived by some woods in the town. We used to go for walks in the woods, me and my sister. And man, we stumbled upon some weird stuff in those woods. Lean-tos with uh, rocks piled a certain way. Certain symbols graffitied on piles of cement not a good time i always felt like someone was watching and we never stayed for long in that area oh boy yeah we've got about 10 minutes left um man burton you've got some weird stories dude I, that that's some yeah 
That's some weird stuff, dude. <laughs> All right. Again, we've got 10 minutes left in this week's episode of Strange Stories of Jeremiah Byron. If anyone's got to, wants to call in, share a quick story, you still got the time. Uh, I'm going to continue reading my story. Let's see, where was I? I watched for a couple seconds more, trying to see what she was so excited about. Then it came into my line of vision. It was traveling from the corner of the house toward the mercury light. It was massive and made that dog look like a pup near it i recall she barely came to its knees the dog kept following its barking and lunging threateningly but it did not look the least bit concerned it was all one color a brown silverly silver silvery color like a gorilla horse it did not have particularly long hair maximum length an inch and a half its hair reminded me of what you would see on any summertime animal that lost its winter coat You know the animal's covered in hair, but not long hair. It's so strange the way he swung his arms. It struck me as kind of silly looking. Didn't have a hump on its head or back. It was just thick and big like a big man looks when he wears work coveralls over his normal clothes. He took three steps and was from the corner of the house to the tree line. Then the dog lunged at him one more time. And he turned to look down at her. It was shocking because my window was no more than 50 feet from where he was. I could see his face plainly. He looked like a person, but his face was still the same shade, perhaps slightly lighter than his body, head, and neck hair. His eyes were looking down at the dog, so I could not discern any color, but his nose and lips were not monkey or ape-like. They looked human. He was almost to the tree line, and he looked back at the tree lifted his left arm and moved the tree bough aside so he could step in under the tree into darkness. I never forget that night, and I never will. It still gives me chills when I recount the story to others. It was clear the creature was just passing through and intended no trouble, but it was still very creepy. Since that time, I've spent a lot of time in the timber by my house, in the same general area, horseback riding and hiking, and have had many occasions to hear tree knocks, whistles, whoops, and even vocalizations. In fact, all my family has heard these sounds. I would love to see one again. What a privilege it was. From Lisa. What a great story. Again, that is from BigfootEncounters.com. Hats off to you, Bobby Short, for putting all these amazing stories on our website. And that lives on. We've got a few few more minutes. Um, <clears throat> shout out a few. Let's see. Alan says, uh, make my window bigger here. Alan says, brown mountain lights are pretty cool to see. You know, I would, maybe someday I'll be able to see them, but I hear they're pretty cool. Uh, <clears throat> all right, Burton, I'll, I'll do it. So when my mom was a kid, she was walking down a gravel road near her house. And she kicked what she thought was a rock. Turned out to be a human skull. Ah, that's not a good time. I, I'm I'm okay with that never happening to me. Um, Area 51, if I make it, we'll tell the story of the Haunter painting. All right. Cool. I'm going to take a few minutes to uh, thank everyone for hanging out tonight. 
Um, got a new episode releasing tomorrow. This new episode is pretty wild. Uh, this is going to be an interview with Missy Lee Sterling. You may have heard her on Coast to Coast a few weeks ago. She talks about her multiple sightings with pale humanoid crawlers or the rake. It's intense. In fact, if you've heard if you heard that Coast to Coast interview, we we go into a lot more than was said on that show. So don't think I already heard it. You did not hear the whole story. You also did not hear uh, the story about her friend. That's the ex-government uh, contractor. And how he's going, oh, I, I can't even share it here, but it's wild. Um, you definitely need to listen to the episode. It's going to blow your mind. I have to go back, edit it again, because it, it's one of those, you know, amazing conversations where through the interview, I'm thinking of things. I'm like, Missy, you got to try this. Try this. I heard another guy try this. Why don't you try it yourself? And I'm going to tell you, Missy is already trying some of the stuff that I, I tried, and she's getting new stuff. Um, it's amazing. But this interview, one of my top interviews, it'll release tomorrow. I release my interviews at 4 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um but you don't have to get up that early. So they'll be they'll be fresh when you get up, awake. Burton says, looking forward to the new episode. Thank you, sir. Area 51, Byron's going to be a legend. Watch. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. Being here. Oof. Burton Moran, are you going to any paranormal events this year? Well, uh, definitely Van Meter Visitor Festival. Hopefully some more. Oh, Monster Fest by STM. Uh, if you want to see the first live uh, Bigfoot Society, it will be at Monster Fest by STM in Ohio in June. Seth is uh, flying me in to do Bigfoot Society live. So uh, to be announced who the guest is. But uh, yeah, maybe some other stuff too. We'll see. And uh, Area 51, excited. Patrick McFarland, gonna already is. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Guys, we're going to go ahead and shut it down. Make sure you're subscribed to this channel. Go ahead, hit the bell icon so you don't miss out on any good stuff. And we will see you later, pals. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Bigfoot Society. If you like the show, please review and rate it five stars on iTunes. Hit the share button and send this episode to all your friends on social media. Subscribe to Bigfoot Society wherever you listen to podcasts. It doesn't cost a thing. Pick up a Bigfoot Society shirt or enamel pin over on our Etsy page and people will tell you all about their Bigfoot sightings when you wear it. At least that's what people tell us. That's what happens. If you'd like to become an official member of Bigfoot Society with a membership card, a community of like-minded individuals, and extra content each month, then please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by going to www.patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. Thanks for listening.